charges laid in the legislature wood splitter scandal. It would be highly inappropriate of me to make any comment at all now that this matter is before the court. The former clerk of the House accused of lining his own pockets with taxpayer money. Thousands apply for the COVID recovery benefit. We promise to get this money out by Christmas. How online applications push the system to the limit. And one of the many victims of the puppy scam. Right then and there, I was like, oh, I, my heart sank. The moment this dog-loving vet realized she'd been fooled. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. A stunning development today in a story that began just over two years ago when the two top officials in the B.C. legislature were suddenly escorted out of the building. Former Clerk of the House Craig James is now charged with criminal fraud and breach of trust. Richard Zussman has the shocking allegations in the charges. Two years ago, Craig James was led out of the B.C. legislature, put on leave, facing allegations of misspending. Friday, the former clerk of the legislature arriving home after a brief court appearance to face charges of breach of trust and fraud. It would be highly inappropriate of me to make any comment at all now that this matter is before the court. James vowing to fight these allegations against him in court. You've been going through this for two years now. What do you hope, sort of how quickly this could be resolved? Uh, sooner rather than later. And the plan is to go and, and fight uh, these charges as aggressively as you can? Yes. Some of the charges, including breach of trust to improperly obtain a long service award worth more than $250,000. There's also a breach of trust and fraud charge linked to the wood splitter and trailer purchased by the B.C. legislature and fraud over $5,000 for fraudulent travel expense claims. I feel great today, to be honest with you. Uh, so, um, there you go. What more can be said? All of these allegations brought forward by now former Speaker Daryl Plekis. Plekis not speaking publicly on Friday. Government House Leader Mike Farnworth says a lot has changed around accountability here at the B.C. Legislature. There is now a disclosure uh, of expenses uh, similar to those that have, not, that have been in place for MLAs and Cabinet Ministers now for a very long time. Green Party House Leader Sonia Firstenau says the former speaker is somewhat vindicated due to these charges. This is the, the central institution of our democracy. And so it is really important that people can trust what's happening inside the legislature as a part of being able to trust the workings of government generally. And although this case has been thoroughly debated in the court of public opinion, James is scheduled to be back in a court of law in January. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. And let's bring in Legislative Bureau Chief Keith Baldry now for more on this. Keith, we've seen these cases, these breach of trust cases mm -hmm. before. They are not easy to prosecute. Explain why. Yeah, it's, it's uh, very much a checkered record in our court system when it comes to breach of trust in the political arena. We've had a number of cases over here in B.C. over the years that I've covered. Uh, two former premiers charged with breach of trust, both acquitted. Uh, we've had a couple ministers, again, one of them, Mounties wanted to charge with breach of trust. Uh, the prosecutors decided not to go to that. We did have a former social credit cabinet minister, Jack Kemp, plead guilty to breach of trust, but that's been sort of the exception rather than the rule. The problem is it's not really clearly defined in the criminal code what exactly is breach of trust. 
trust. And of course, the most recent example, which got a lot of publicity, was Senator Mike Duffy. And that's also a, a spending scandal tied to a parliament system. Uh, he was charged with 31 counts of, of breach of trust and fraud, and the judge threw out all 31 counts. And again, this is a, a situation in places where the rules are not clearly defined, where the traditions are sometimes count more than the rule book. And we'll just see exactly what happens with Mr. James here. One other thing with breach of trust cases, Chris, is they tend to go on for a long time. Uh, they can drag on through the courts uh, for a long time. We had a, a breach of trust system here, case here involving two ministerial aides under the former B.C. Liberal government tied to that B.C. rail scandal. That went on for years. And that's one of the sort of downsides of our special prosecutor system. There's no end timeline in sight. So this is not over by a long shot. It's going to go on for some time. Fascinating to watch. All right. Thanks, mm -hmm. Keith. BC is posting another day with more than 600 COVID-19 cases. 624 new cases have been confirmed in the last 24 hours. And that brings our total number of cases since the pandemic began to 45,400. Sadly, 11 more people have died since yesterday afternoon. 356 people are in hospital. That's down two. And 92 are in the ICU. That number down by one. There are just under 10,000 active cases in our province right now, and more than 10,000 people are currently self-isolating. Some Fraser Valley churches have been handed stiff fines for holding in-person services over the past two weekends in violation of COVID-19 public health orders. RCMP say on December 6th and 13th, they were called to gatherings at three places of worship. Police have now charged the churches with eight counts of failure to comply with the orders of a health officer and levied fines of $18,400. RCMP say by and large, the vast majority of Chilliwack residents and businesses are complying with public health orders. The community cluster at a popular mountain resort near Kelowna has grown and along with it, the resort is now urging non-locals to stay home. Big White Ski Resort now has 76 cases of COVID-19. That's up 16 since Tuesday. Most of the cases are related to social events, group housing and gatherings. Now the resort is reaching out to guests through email that their reservations have been canceled until January 8th unless they live in the central Okanagan. The resort says they'll offer refunds to those impacted. BC is currently under a travel advisory and all non-essential travel should be avoided, according to the provincial health officer. Well, the pressure is growing tonight on Dr. Bonnie Henry and the BC government to ease the rules regarding visits to long-term care homes. Both families and the BC Civil Liberties Association say changes need to be made. Nadia Stewart has the details and the story of one of many families whose loved one died alone. For Natalia Yoon, the last nine months have been a nightmare. Just days ago, her mother passed away in a long-term care home alone. These long-term care facilities should not have this kind of power to tell families that you have no right to come in to see your loved ones because we are telling you that this is not an essential visit. Yoon is one of a number of families with loved ones in long-term care homes who say restrictions around visitations are outdated. In a letter to government from their lawyer, they say the existing isolation and visitation limits arguably violate the security of the person and liberty rights of residents of care homes and the family's rights too. They're calling for urgent action to mitigate or rectify those violations 
echoing their concerns. The BC Civil Liberties Association also sent a letter appealing to government to clarify and amend the policies. In the most kind of harmful of circumstances, it, it it's resulted in people spending the last few weeks of their life or months of their lives in complete isolation. A recent report from the province's seniors advocate called for more flexibility around essential visits, clarity around social visits, and the introduction of rapid testing. But Dr. Bonnie Henry has said rapid testing is not an ideal solution. In response to this week's letters, both Henry and Dick said the restrictions, though challenging, are their best bet in slowing the spread. And to not think that we can litigate, negotiate, argue with a COVID-19 virus that doesn't want to litigate, it doesn't want to argue, it just wants to transmit. But Yun says locking out family members is not the answer. And Bonnie Henry and Adrian Dix completely refusing to have any kind of a plan to say how they're going to open up these long-term facilities so that we can go and see our family again. It's too late for her family, but there's still hope others won't have to die alone. Nadia Struck, Global News. Well, today was the first day British Columbians could apply online for the $1,000 B.C. recovery benefit. But as Paul Johnson reports, despite assurances the system could handle the load, many would-be applicants saw only the blue swirl of death when they tried to register on the government website. Just wondering what work was done and what backups might be in place. It's a valid question to ask these days. A government poised to roll out a promised new benefit program online. Have they made sure it'll work? Here is our new finance minister's response. Staff have done additional uh, testing of the system as well as um, have acquired extra server capacity to, uh, to deal with the volumes. Presumably she wasn't pleased with this. A series of delays and error messages greeted thousands of anxious British Columbians Friday morning, many of whom likely trying to shore up their finances in time for Christmas. Here's an email from an 81-year-old global viewer who spent three hours on his computer this morning before giving up. It is almost inhumane to put seniors through all that, he wrote. So many people uh, hit, hit send uh, that we've had uh, technical difficulties. Premier Horgan had to explain the glitch later Friday. Well, I asked those questions, as you can well imagine, and the answers I got was we're fully prepared. In the now extensive history of clunky government web rollouts, it's neither the first nor the biggest. Victoria struggled initially with a redo of its reservation system for campsites. And the biggest of all in recent history was south of the border when the signature policy of Barack Obama's presidency, Obamacare, suffered an embarrassingly botched online debut. One of the important aspects is uh, the lack of the ability to really truly test out a system like this before it goes live. IT expert Ken McAllister suggests governments go live with new programs in stages, taking limited signups at first, then scaling up only when they're certain they've got it right. Either that, or you give your opposition a chance to say, I told you so. We promised to get this money out by Christmas. We've kind of left it to the 11th hour. Paul Johnson, Global News. Late this afternoon, a spokesperson from the Ministry of Finance told Global News more than 84,000 applications have now been processed. 
Heavy winds are being blamed for a number of BC Ferries cancellations today. This video taken of Discovery Package near Campbell River this morning as strong southeast winds hammered the south coast, including central and northern sections of Vancouver Island. BC Ferries cancelled several sailings earlier today due to the adverse weather, including to Wasson to Duke Point and Horseshoe Bay to Departure Bay. Uh, good uh, reminder to check BC Ferries before you head out to catch your sailing. Meteorologist Yvonne Shell is tracking the system. It's going by right now. Back in the next few hours, Yvonne. Still very windy. We've got the wind warning for most areas across the south coast, and here's working its way and then pushing its way towards the east. Uh, we've got to most areas across Metro Vancouver, the potentials there are 70 and up to 80 kilometers per hour and some of the strongest winds, especially along the western edge of the island with over 100 kilometers per hour. A snapshot of what we're seeing right now, sustained out of the airport at 30, but Tuas and Abbotsford over 60 kilometers per hour. Those are some of the gusts and these are some of the gusts that we've seen so far today. So still very windy. As we get in, it'll start to ease off overnight tonight. This is storm number one of three We've got one for the weekend, but it's not a complete washout. I'll have your weekend forecast coming up very shortly. So Sounds good. Thanks, Yvonne. A dangerous day on the roads today with multiple pedestrians sent to hospital after being struck by vehicles on the lower mainland. In Surrey alone, at least three people were struck, two of them within the same hour, including a crash on 134th and 93A Avenue this morning. That person remains in serious condition. And it prompted a warning from RCMP to drive to conditions as it is extremely wet and visibility is poor. This afternoon, a 69-year-old female female pedestrian was sent to hospital, also in serious condition after being struck near 32nd and 144th. Both drivers remained on the scene. In Vancouver, two people were rushed to hospital after a minor accident turned into be something more serious. A collision between two vehicles at Camby and Yukon in front of the No Frills store pushed one vehicle onto the sidewalk. The car hit two pedestrians who were taken to hospital with serious injuries. Police say both drivers stayed at the scene and are cooperating with the investigation. A GoFundMe campaign has now been set up to help the family of a mother of two killed by a runaway van in Surrey earlier this week. Paramjit Masuda died Tuesday after the crash. Seconds before the collision, she managed to push her twin 18-year-old girls out of the way of the van, saving their lives. The money will go to help her husband of 26 years, Daljit, and their twins. We've included a link to the fundraiser on our website at globalnews.ca. Well, with more people working from home than ever before, many have found themselves searching for the perfect addition to their family. A Richmond veterinarian was among them, but found out too late that the puppy was too good to be true. Catherine Urquhart reports. I found um, a picture of a puppy that I pretty much fell in love with. When Liza Lackner saw images of the 12-week-old American Pitbull Blue Nose, she was sold. It would be the perfect pet for her two young boys, she thought, and she responded to the e-classified ad. You know, we did communicate back and forth with um, multiple emails. I mean, he asked all the appropriate questions. He um, gave me all the, um, the right information. That right information was convincing, says Lackner, who happens to be a veterinarian. She e-transferred $500. Soon after, she realized she had made a mistake. They called me a couple hours after everything was approved, saying there's been a problem. They flagged the puppy. The crate that he was supposed to fly over from Manitoba Inn didn't meet the standard. 
uh, from the veterinarian at the shipping company. So they needed uh, $1,500 more in Visa gift cards. Right then and there, I was like, oh, I, my heart sank. Pandemic pets are in huge demand these days, and scam artists are taking advantage big time. Scammers have been capitalizing on this opportunity to a significant extent this year. We've seen where we've received thousands of reports across Canada about puppy scams. Oh boy. Consumers are urged to deal with a reputable breeder or SPCA shelter, which have plenty of rescues. Good boy. As for Lackner, she hopes her story saves others from getting scammed. I was devastated. I felt jaded. I felt deceived. No puppy for the kids for Christmas. I know. So disappointing. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. All right. Breaking news out of the NHL right now. All right. We've got Squire Barnes joining us with the details. The NHL sounds like it's getting close to a deal, maybe even have a tentative deal right now. They do have a tentative deal to start a new season on January 13th. It would be a 56-game season. Now what they have to have is the players and the owners to vote on it and vote yes. But usually when these agreements are made, the... uh, the other parties vote yes. So I would be very surprised if they voted no. So with that in mind, uh, Canucks, for example, will start arriving this weekend and early next week because they have to quarantine and get ready for training camp. The question now is, where will the Canucks play? They would like to start training camp on January 3rd, but I think by early next week, all the Canadian teams are going to have to know from their provincial officials, can we play here Or are we going to have to pick everything up and move somewhere into the U.S.? That's not known yet, but I do know the Canucks have been talking to the provincial government for a number of weeks trying to get ahead of this. So when the vote does come down and it is a yes, they will know what to do. Dr. Bonnie Henry's phone might be ringing right now. Well, she's a big Canuck fan. I know that. She is. All right. Thanks very much for that, Squire. More coming up later in sports. A new report doesn't do anything to quash fears of a looming crisis for condo owners. They've seen their insurance costs skyrocket, with some insurers backing out of the business entirely. What the new report says is the biggest problem and why there's still no easy solution. That's in just over a minute. She is the face of B.C.'s pandemic response, but Dr. Henry is working on a new project. The name of her new book coming up. And the Canadian Dallas Cowboy, who's about to set a league record. The special skill he brings to the game. That's later in sports. Right now, though, there is no good news for condo owners coming out of a major review of skyrocketing strata insurance rates. The BC Financial Services Authority finds the condo insurance industry is essentially broken. And Aaron MacArthur shows us there is little chance any price relief is coming soon. From struggling to find coverage to paying exorbitant prices, Strata Councils have faced unprecedented challenges insuring their buildings. Prices have surged on average 40% in 2020, with no relief in sight. A new report looking at the issue says the insurance market is unhealthy. The issues facing the market are complex, and the solutions are not simple. The BC Financial Services Authority has made some progress in at least moderating the market. The insurance industry has agreed to drop predatory pricing practices, but more needs to be done. The Insurance Bureau of Canada urging the BC government to adopt best practices from across Canada. Rising claims costs have been the significant 
biggest factor in the premium increases. And until those costs are reduced, premiums will remain under pressure. The BC Condominium Homeowners Association says there's nothing new in this report, arguing strict building codes means the cost of claims is out of the hands of Stratas. There's so many factors beyond the control of BCFSA and the government um, that it's almost unimaginable about how to solve it. The only real option is to look at a different model for insurance for BC. The regulator has no authority to make any changes to the private insurance industry, and any move to a more public model of insurance would have to come from the provincial government. In the meantime, condo owners and strata councils can expect to face stable insurance costs in 2021. But the damage has already been done. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. Up next, social media sabotage. Anything that's critical of India is being uh, taken down, being flagged as violations of Indian law. How the plight of Indian farmers shows how easy it is to distort the message. And dropping a bombshell on Discovery Island fish farms. How soon they'll vanish from the coast. Good evening. Clearing a police incident in Burnaby on Highway 1 westbound between Gallardy and Kensington. Otherwise, traffic is steady both ways with just minor congestion at the usual merge points. Today's Lotto Max jackpot is an estimated $40 million. Lotto Max, dream to the max. I'm Trish Jewison in the Global Traffic Center. Dozens of parents in Nigeria are anxiously awaiting the moment they can reunite with their children. They crowded into a street earlier as a bus carrying their sons arrived in the city. The boys were recently rescued from their militant captors, Boko Haram, six days after being abducted from their school. They're expected to undergo medical examinations before they can go home. The radical religious organization is against westernized education. Farmers in India have been camped out in the nation's capital for weeks, protesting new policies they say will destroy their livelihoods. Farmers here in B.C. are showing solidarity, but the focus of the protest is now shifting to Facebook and other forms of social media for muddying the message farmers are trying to deliver. Nitu Garcha reports. ways around government-installed barricades, more farmers from across India are joining what is considered the largest protest in human history, as the country's Supreme Court has upheld their right to demonstrate. For so many British Columbians, there's there's a lot of uh, connection to this movement. And with more solidarity events planned in Vancouver this weekend, the focus has shifted to Facebook's offices. Amid allegations, Facebook and Instagram are censoring content. If I posted an infographic about the farmers' protest, it was like my views went got cut down to half. And the reason why? Some hashtags are being flooded with pornographic material, which is then flagged and restricted. This is a pattern we've seen repeat over and over again that anything that's critical of India is being uh, taken down, being flagged as violations of Indian law. In a statement, Facebook confirmed content that violates their policies was restricted on hashtags like sick and TikTok, adding, quote, understanding the importance of the hashtag to six worldwide, we worked quickly to remove this material and restore the hashtag. But the World Sick Organization says with the problem popping up during key moments in this movement since June, Facebook has failed to find effective solutions. When Facebook appears to be uh, colluding with the censorship of these voices, 
it's a big problem and and it's not in accordance with Canadian values and just generally with human rights. Social media experts say since the Arab Spring, hashtags have been key pillars of global human rights movements which deserve equal voice. Realistically, the platforms themselves should be looking at seeing whether or not there are individuals who are flooding the market and trying to make a hashtag more toxic than it actually is. Armed with the kind of resolve shown by farmers in India, Canadian supporters say they won't let social media sabotage get in their way. If they're going to shut us out on social media, we need to come out um, from behind our screens and show them that we're not just something that you can shut down. We're real people. We're here and we're fighting for something real, too. Neetu Garcha, Global News. There's growing concern tonight for a UBC grad who's facing up to 20 years in a Saudi prison. 31-year-old Lujan Al-Hathlul has had her charges related to activities as a women's rights activist transferred from criminal to terrorism court. Her family says she's been tortured and sexually assaulted during the years that she has already spent in a Saudi prison. And the state prosecutor's office is now seeking the maximum possible sentence on trumped-up charges. Demanding women's rights that Sharia law grants Muslim women, having a coordinated agenda that includes campaigns in the media for alleged rights and de demanding abolition of the male guardianship system, um, applying for a job at the United Nations and using her previous prison experience in her cover letter. Sentencing for Luzon could be handed down as early as Monday. Straight ahead, no time to waste in the opioid crisis. How the story of one young woman lost to addiction is inspiring faster access to treatments. And elementary students spitting rhymes in COVID times. A creative way to stop or to stay safe over the holidays. I, I knew I'd struggle with that one. You did well. The <laughs> six-year-olds might do better. Yeah. Believe BC, featured on Global News Hour at 6, celebrates the innovative minds working together to reignite business throughout our province. Believe BC in partnership with Pacific Blue Cross, flexible small business health benefits for challenging times. Good evening. Counterflow is out at the Massey Tunnel. Traffic is moving well both ways on Highway 99. Remember, there's overnight maintenance and single lane traffic both ways between 10 p.m. and 5 a.m. This week, save on hundreds of perfect gift ideas for everyone on your list at your local home hardware. Come home for Christmas and save big this holiday season. I'm Trish Jewison in the Global Traffic Center. You gotta be smart. Keep your distance. Try to stay apart. We don't want the Elementary school students in Abbotsford rapping to get their message about staying home for the holidays across. Kids in grade two and three at Harry Sayers Elementary made this video about the importance of following the public health orders over winter break with the hopes of keeping their friends and family safe and schools open. Well, one of the thousands of B.C. parents who have lost a child to the opioid crisis is sharing the story of her daughter, Brett McLean. She was on a wait list for an inpatient treatment program when at just 23 years old, she died of an overdose. Now her mother, Terry, is trying to raise awareness and funds to expand BC's Rapid Access Addiction Clinic program and hopefully spare other parents the grief she has endured. She was such a cute baby. A smiling child fills the pages of this album. But these photos aren't always easy to look at. Brings me pain. Terry McLean's daughter, Brett 
had always struggled, suffering from anxiety at a young age that only intensified as she grew older. The medication she was prescribed quickly became a dependency, leading her down the path of addiction. The benzodiazepines took her down to a place of a shell of a person. Like It was becoming very apparent that she wasn't doing well. In October 2018, Brett overdosed and died. She was on a wait list for an inpatient treatment program. Sadly, her family knows they're not alone in their pain. Everybody knows somebody. And so while trying to end the stigma, McLean is also working to drive donations for a treatment option in a class of its own. St. Paul's Rapid Access Addictions Clinic. It really provides an on-demand addiction treatment approach. Here, you can show up and be seen on the same day. Since it opened its doors in 2016, they've seen more than 8,100 patients, 68% of whom seeking help for opioid use. And with the current crisis in B.C., that number just keeps climbing, putting pressure on the services. I will say that there have been days where we've had to close our doors early because we have so many people in the waiting room that we can't keep up with the demand. Oh, yeah. That's where the Lights of Hope fundraising campaign comes in. Donations will go towards everything from a hot cup of coffee, providing medication coverage for patients who need it, and potentially hiring more staff to extend clinic hours. It's one of my favorite shots of her in the swing. McLean knows it's too late for her daughter, but there are so many more out there just like her that still have a chance. An open door without judgment and immediate attention may be all it takes to start turning things around. These are the kinds of programs that we've been missing. Anybody who would consider just opening their minds to what the pain is like to lose your loved ones, I think it would just be a great cause. Kylie Stanton, Global News. Up next, the surprise move to shut down some fish farms. The reason for the federal government's decision and reaction from the industry. And in sports, with NHL training camp likely coming up pretty quickly, what the players say about getting back in the game. Environmentalists and First Nations are celebrating a decision, a surprise decision really, by the federal government to phase out 19 controversial fish farms. As Linda Aylesworth reports, the farms have long been a target for critics who say they endanger already struggling wild salmon. The struggle for survival has become increasingly dire over the last three decades for B.C.'s wild salmon. The current state of B.C.'s wild salmon is on a downward spiral for extinction. And I don't say that with any measure of drama. Open net salmon farms have borne the brunt of the blame, but it seemed demands for their removal fell on deaf ears until earlier this week. We will be moving towards phasing out the fish farms in the Discovery Islands area. Close to 80% will be uh, out of there by April of 2021. There are 19 salmon farms in the Discovery Island group, which are situated along the migratory route of juvenile salmon headed from their natal rivers to the vast Pacific Ocean. They don't really have a choice but to swim past these farms where they're um, likely exposed to, to the threat of uh, parasite and disease transmission. But what about the government's own studies that seem to back up the farm's assertions that they were causing no harm? Those uh, risk assessment studies that DFO did if you really dig into them, there's just a huge level of uncertainty around a lot of the findings and assumptions that's really quite breathtaking. Now it would seem they're erring on the side of caution, listening to other voices. Oh, we go. 
including those of the people whose unceded territories have been used by the farms for years. We wanted to make sure we engaged with the First Nations to find out what their what they wanted with regards to the farms in the Discovery Islands, and they were they were loud and clear that they wanted to see them removed. We have Minister Jordan actually listening and hearing First Nations in the Discovery Islands and responding accordingly. That's not to say all salmon farms are scheduled to be removed from the B.C. coast. As many as 70 will remain, at least for now. What are the jobs that will be lost as a result? This was probably one of the most difficult decisions I've had to make as minister um, because I know that this impacts coastal communities and it impacts individuals. We can't lose sight of the countless people that would lose their livelihood and so much more if we were to lose wild salmon from British Columbia. Linda Aylesworth, Global News. All right, one of those typical West Coast days where it might have been windy, but at least it was raining. (laughs) Here's Yvonne. And we'll have a couple more of those. So we're tracking storm one of three, and that was for today. I'll start off with this great shot captured in Campbell River. So thank you so much, Julie. Now, here's a system that'll continue to work its way across the south coast. As it works its way towards the east, though, we've got a bit of a break, and that'll be in between systems, and that'll be the start to our Saturday morning. We're currently sitting at 8 out of the airport, but check out the winds. Sustained at uh, 33 kilometers per hour southeasterly, and we've got gusts right now up to 50 kilometers per hour. So we'll continue to see very windy conditions late this evening. I anticipate overnight that they'll start to ease off and some of the stronger winds along the western edge of the island over or up to 100 kilometers per hour. So we can see in the wind forecast as we get overnight for the early morning hours, it'll dissipate. We've got a bit of a break in between systems and it'll be much calmer until we get in towards the noon hour. So here's the morning with that break. By the afternoon, we'll start to see the next wave of rain. This next storm, very wet and windy, especially for areas that are closer to the water. And we're looking at additional snowfall amounts. If you're traveling along the mountain path, Here's some of the amounts that we're anticipating just for this evening and then an additional five and up to 10 centimeters for tomorrow. Quick look at the summit. Here's the Pine Pass. The snowfall warning is in effect. So these are the amounts for this evening, an additional five and up to 10 centimeters. It'll be late in the day for tomorrow. Now, the northern half of the province, wet and windy, winds potentially up to 60 kilometers per hour along the coast. Central interior will start off as snow and then we'll start to see that transition over to rain. It'll be similar for the Columbia and Kootenai. Most areas for the Thompson Okanagan, the bulk of the moisture moving in for the afternoon and the south coast. So we've got a bit of a break just for the morning hours. We've got a storm for tomorrow and then another one on Monday. But then look ahead. Tuesday onwards is when we'll be back into some sunshine. I'll leave you with tonight's weather window. A gorgeous shot that was captured Cypress Mountain. So thank you so much, Dan. Mm. Guys. Cool. Thanks. Wish I was up there. All right. Thanks a lot. Provincial Health Officer Dr. Bonnie Henry has been busy leading the province through the pandemic, but that is not her only passion. That's right. She's also an author, and the title of her upcoming book is that well-known catchphrase. And continue to be kind, to be calm, and to be safe. Be kind, be calm, be safe. Four weeks that shaped the pandemic will be released next March. It's co-written by Dr. Henry's sister, Lynn Henry, who is a publisher. There you see one of her previous books. Dr. Henry's last book, Soap, Water and Common Sense, The Definitive Guide to Viruses, Bacteria, Parasites and Disease, was released last March. Such lovely things to write about. (laughs) And what timing. What timing. Perfect. All right, uh, Squire is here, and we have some hockey to look forward to. Yes, it appears that way, and a lot of NHL players have been working out for a couple of months, really, to get ready for this return, like the Habs' Jordan Wheel. Just got to stay 
stay in it, have some fun. Keep working out and skating like with the guys and uh, get ready to go back. Months? Real is among a lot of BC players who've been spending the off season around BC. Also tonight, satellite debris. Now this performing fly of the bumblebee. We joke sometimes it's no tie Friday, but really it should be one tie Friday. I know, you have to wear a tie. It's, it's the law. No I, tie every day for me. That's true. Uh, okay, the NHL and the Players Association have agreed right now tentatively to play a 56-game regular season, which would start on January 13th. Now what has to happen is both the players, rank and file, and the owners have to vote on this agreement and give it the green light. If they do, hockey will start soon. Training camps would begin first for the seven teams that didn't make the playoffs last summer, probably on December 30th or 31st, and then all the other 24 teams like the Canucks who were in the playoffs in the bubble, that would be a January 3rd start for training camp. The Canadian teams still have to find out if they can play at home. That would require provincial health officials to give it the green light. The Canucks have talked to Dr. Bonnie Henry's office for a few weeks to get ahead of things. They will know early next week, I'm sure. Uh, and I also think the players are going to vote yes on this deal and the owners. Uh, NHL players, many of which have been practicing on their own or in small groups with other players for a couple of months, are ready when they are called to go, including a bunch around BC like North Vancouver's Jordan Wheel, who plays for Montreal. North Vance Jordan Wheel is getting ready for his second full season with the Montreal Canadiens. He's planning on leaving for Montreal middle of next week, but things change quickly during a pandemic. It's feeling a lot like the summertime as well, where uh, there's a lot of moving parts, and then we, we kind of couple weeks before we knew what was going on and then we head out so I uh, just got to stay stay in it have some fun keep working out and skating with the guys and uh, get ready to go back. Surrey's Parker Watherspoon is in the Islanders organization having played the last three seasons with Bridgeport of the AHL at 23 he's hoping to make that jump soon to the NHL he will be going to Islanders camp but the waiting's been the hardest part. I mean it's pretty tough like tough circumstances right now like uh been wanting to get to camp for a while now and uh, you know like I'm a young guy like I want to play hockey for a living and you know while, while we're uh, sitting out right now it's painful but all we can do is wait because you know times are tough. Jake Christensen is just starting his pro career. The 21-year-old from West Van was a star defenseman for five years with Everett of the Western League. It appears his long wait to get to Columbus Blue Jackets camp is almost over, but he's thankful, at least in the interim, he's had a chance to skate with top pros like Matthew Barzell. Just skating with these guys has been amazing, um, giving me a little bit of a taste for what to expect, and obviously I'm really, uh, really excited to get going and kind of itching at it, uh, but... It'll, the time will come, so um, just be patient, work as hard as I can out here, and when, uh, when that opportunity comes, I'll be ready. Eight players on Germany's World Junior Team have tested positive for COVID-19 at the bubble in Edmonton. They'll have to stay quarantined until the uh, 24th. Hopefully some of those players should be recovered in time to play their first game. Uh, Canada named its leadership group today, Kirby Dotch of the uh, Chicago Blackhawks, will be the captain. Vancouver Giants defenseman Bowen Byram, a Colorado draft pick, who was with the Canadian team last year when they won gold, is an assistant captain. 
looking at the world junior, every, every team is so good. Every team can compete. So uh, I think the biggest thing for us as a group is to just realize, um, realize that and that there's a lot of good teams here that want to win just as bad as we do. Um, so uh, like I said earlier, though, we're, we're all really excited just to get the tournament going, um, get out of quarantine now and uh, kind of get things on the road. This Sunday, L.P. Latasur, someone you might never have heard of before, will set the record for most games by a Canadian in the NFL, 251. That stretches from 2005 until now. Now, the reason you may never have heard of him before, despite all those years being in the NFL, is he plays a very specialized and obscure position. He's the Dallas Cowboys' long snapper the guy who hikes the ball on kicks and punts only. And he's one of the best at it, which is why, of course, he has lasted this long. That's him. That's L.P. Latasseur. And that's his job. A kid from Montreal who has lasted longer than any Canadian in football's biggest league. Obviously, 16 years, 250 games. Um, you don't imagine things like that growing up. You just, you hope to play a few games and to wear some type of uniform or jersey. Growing up in Montreal, this was a uniform Latticeur first hoped to wear. Yeah, obviously being Canadian, um, hockey is, is the sport, <laughs> the number one sport. Uh, you know, I was probably two or three years old and I had skates on my feet. He started playing football at the age of 13 and he's still playing it at 39. And if he plays next season, he'll become the Cowboys all-time leader in games. My whole goal is to, to be healthy, and if, if, if I feel like I can still do it, then I will do it. And if I feel like in January, February, and I'm like, you know what, this, this might be it, then, then that's it. To show you how obscure I looked for an hour for footage of him, and <laughs> I found very little of it. That's why I had to use still photos. He's a hero in Dallas 15 years, for sure. That's great. Thanks a lot, Squire. Satellite Debris is up next. Stay with us. We've waited all week for this. That's why we come to work. Oh, wow. That's right. Pressure's on. Uh, so I'm going to start with a couple of uh, Christmas ads from Waitrose uh, Supermarkets. Here we go. Shall we go through? After you. Shame if it went to waste. Oh, um, yeah. Ooh, turkey. Simon. Yeah? Could you pass us the sprouts? <laughs> yep. Please join us after our final number for some chocolate and cherry mince pies. <laughs> okay, here's an old favorite uh, featuring an old favorite, Ryan Reynolds. Hey, Ryan. Hey, Greg. Listen, um, 
it's becoming a little bit of a problem uh, that you aren't using your real arms. Hmm. <laughs> Everybody knows you're using the fake arms so that you can keep playing tune blast. What are you talking about? If you'll excuse me, my burrito's getting cold. Yeah, no, eat. Oh, um, I'm so hungry. All right. Go, 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 yeah. go, go, go. Bon appetit. Leave it. All right, last Classic. but not least, another old favorite, uh, Geico, and the uh, old guy in the chair whose nose is musical. I can't believe it. That grandpa's nose is performing Fly of the Bumblebee? Now, you goof. I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Nice. I know, right? Believe it, Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. I bet you there is someone somewhere on this earth who can actually do that with their nose. <laughs> and not know they're doing it. <laughs> That's true. You can make a lot of noises when you're asleep. Geico's got a creative crew, no <laughs> doubt about it. All right, heading into the last weekend before Christmas. I can't even believe we're saying that, but uh, yeah, it's going to be a... Um, could be a wet one. Wet one so far. We're not shoveling anything. Uh, we've got a very soggy day on tap once again, but it'll actually be a bit dry for the morning hours and then pick up once again. We've got storm number two for tomorrow. Heads up, it'll be windy, especially closer to the water. Bit of a break. So far, the drier day of the weekend looks like it may be Sunday. One more storm on Monday, and then as we get past that, we've got some sunshine. It'll be dry. Uh, Tuesday onwards, still a few days out from Christmas, but it uh, looks like we will not be looking at snow just yet. <laughs> We sunshine. still have a week. Yeah, we and we'll week. take the sunshine, too, I'm mm. pretty sure. All right. all right, that's all the time we have for tonight. Thanks for joining us. Have a great weekend, everybody. We'll see you Monday.